live from the 2017 DBA International Conference at the Aria Resort Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. It's time now for a special episode of the Capital Club Radio Show, broadcasting on the Pro Business Channel Networks. This show made possible in part by Flock Specialty Finance. And now, here's your host, Chairman and CEO of Flock Specialty Finance, Michael Flock. We're delighted to be here today with Walt Collins, one of the leaders and icons of the debt buying industry. Walt is the founder of Collins Asset Group, has a very long history in the industry. He started actually with Collins Financial Services, which was dedicated to charged off debt purchasing. He started that in 1996 after a successful 25-year career in institutional investments and mortgage banking. He became a founding board member of the Debt Buyers Association and president of DBA in 1999. He sold CFSI, or Collins Financial Services, to a private equity fund in 2006, but remained active through consulting and board work. He re-entered the industry recently in 2011 by establishing the Collins Asset Group. So, Walt, thank you for coming today. And I'm honored. Thank you for having me. Icon, I've Icon, I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, that, that one's hard to accept. Okay, well, <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, well, you're one of the examples of a successful debt buyer that has lived through several interesting periods in the transformation that's and true. evolution of this industry. That's and, you know, you were so successful when you sold your first company, CFSI. And then I know you had that interim period where you were on the board. And then you just re-entered the industry again. Right. Uh, what motivated you to come back in 2011? That's an interesting question, Michael. The two things. When I sold the company, I was the only one that got to feast at the trough. My fine people that really, mm-hmm. what Collins is all about, that's who Collins is, they didn't. They mm-hmm. got options and opportunity with mm-hmm. the new owner for the next mm-hmm. liquidity event. Well, that didn't happen. It took the private equity firm about five and a half years to run the company in the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my poor people were not losing jobs and losing the opportunity they were supposed to have. So pulling my violin out, I came back because of my people. I wanted them to have the opportunity that was lost. That is true. There's another side to that, though, and that's reading right to left. Mm -hmm. When I retired, it was a wonderful situation for me, but I certainly wasn't a Michael Dell. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I had enough funds for the retirement, but I retired in a zero interest rate environment Mm -hmm. with six kids, Mm -hmm. eight grandbabies, more to come. Mm -hmm. And so just looking, if, if... my goodness, uh, it, with no returns on uh, on my principal, I could wipe out uh, quite a bit of my capital and not have much to leave uh, the kids. So even someone as successful as Walt Collins, after you know a huge deal that you did with uh, the private equity fund, you, it was partly financial. Then I guess personally, and then also you wanted to share. I guess, proceeds of the future with the team that helped you get where you were. Absolutely. And, and and they all have a substantial piece of, of new, of new Collins. Uh huh. But, uh, was there any also motivation just because 
you know, even though you made, you know, a lot of money when you sold CFSI, were you, uh, I want to use the word bored, maybe that's the wrong word, during the transition or in that period where you were consulting, did you, did you question kind of your identity? Like, well, you, you, you had a huge liquidity event, you know, you could, you could lay back comfortably, but did you think that maybe your purpose in life had changed? Was that part of it? You're, you're asking some very interesting questions. Uh, yes. In fact, I, I would tell folks, my life became going to Starbucks in the morning, reading the paper, and then going home and resorting my socks. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So, so you yeah, needed yes. a new challenge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, th- that happened a little too soon for me. I was, okay. I sold the company 62 going on 63. I'm right. 72 going on 73. Right. Now would have made, made a lot right. more sense for me. Right. So yes, I did. I had not lost the drive yet. Uh huh. Well, I've heard the phrase, you know, when you retire, you expire. And so perhaps that summarizes kind of some of your thinking yeah. that you really didn't like to be going to Starbucks every day and uh, yeah, reorganizing right. your sock drawer. Yes. Um, so <laughs> anyway, well, welcome back to the industry. And well, you came you. back at a really interesting time. 2011, I think, was just sort of the beginning of this onslaught of regulation. Um and also the supply, it was shrinking, I think, at the time, too, partly because of the regulation, but also I think, you know, the American consumer during that period had deleveraged following the crash. So what was it like starting in 2011, a new company versus back in 96 when you started CFSI? That must have been pretty different. Uh, dramatically different. Mm-hmm. Dramatically so. We were doing some interesting things, had opportunities to do interesting things that were really out of the box, non-traditional, some not even truly related to the debt buying industry that we were doing. Um, and, and yes, I came back right into the teeth of uh, Dodd-Frank and the CFPB, and that has not been fun. That, mm-hmm. it's, it's made it quite difficult. Uh, we were involved in subprime lending that we were very comfortable with. But even that came under extreme fire from uh, mm-hmm. from the CFPB, and uh, and so it was uh, it you know w- was had a wise move for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I tell people once you retire, let no one talk you into coming back. Mm-hmm. But uh, we are doing some interesting things, and uh, and I our, our goal is to is to be here. We're uh, certainly not a what we were in '96 or '06, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, but uh, doing enough thing, especially on the technology side, that's pretty exciting stuff. And uh, so, I hope that semi answered the question. Right. Well, I want to come back to uh, the new Collins Asset Group in a minute, but I think uh, because m- many of our listeners are entrepreneurs, and uh, everyone at some point, many want to have a liquidity event, you know, at some point to, sure. to monetize their Absolutely. their life's work and their investment. Absolutely. And you monetized it in 06, selling to a private equity fund. Right. What were the emotions that you went through when you were selling that? You had built up Collins Financial into in a really powerful, successful debt buying company, and you had a strategy to do that. So when you went to sell, what was going through your mind, and how did you kind of manage that transition of mentally to go to give up some of your if not all I can't remember you sell all your equity all okay 
But you were still on the board, and you're still that was a part of the agreement. I'd stay for a while, and uh, and yes, and yeah, uh, very emotional. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the reason for the sale was, and and you'll, I'm sure you'll remember this. uh, Oh, four, five, uh, Wall Street found our industry and and were coming in in a big way. Mm -hmm. Bear Stearns, Goldman. Cargill Finance, my goodness. Mm-hmm. No, I remember. I think it was oh five, they right. a quarter of a billion dollars uh, right. uh, funded uh, to my competitors, and they were going to follow that up with nearly a half a billion the next year. Well, I'm not a Harvard MBA, but I thought, there go the spreads for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I, many of my peers uh, had a liquidity event. I was one of the last ones. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, up until... That moment, I, I really wasn't going to sell. I was just going to mm-hmm. stay with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I had uh, I was a principal in a uh, an investment banking firm. We sold that company to a powerhouse, a Wall Street firm, in '93. Mm-hmm. And the uh, that company, uh, I got to know their M and A fellows quite well. We stayed in touch, mm-hmm. and they knew what I was doing, and they kept mm-hmm. saying, if ever now you're looking for a liquidity event, you know, keep us in mind. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I had that relationship. And so in about mid-05, uh, mid, uh, mm-hmm. I said I called, and I said, you know, fellas, I think it's probably time. Mm-hmm. And it took them about seven, eight months, but they did a very good job, and mm-hmm. they sold me on February mm-hmm. the sixth mm-hmm. of two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was the reason when you sell your baby, right? You're letting it go off to college, if you will, perhaps. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. And and the new CEO, when he came in, he said, "What kind of transition should we should we have?" I said, "It should be you." Are the coach now, and I go sit in the in the bleachers. You don't want me on the bench with the team; it won't mm-hmm. work. Right. And so I immediately gave up uh, in that Control. regard. Man, I thought it was best for the firm, and it was. Mm-hmm. It was. And so that was why it took place. And and yeah, quite. I mean, it was my ba- my baby, and and so you you want to pitch back in. But you can't. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can, you know. Even as a board member? You could. As a board member? Yes, you can. Right. And, and and certainly I would, if I thought that things were uh, going in the wrong direction, You'd say I, I would absolutely bring that up mm-hmm. and explain why I thought uh, the way I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the group that had purchased me uh, had their own thoughts on the company, mm-hmm. the industry. And so my opinions early on didn't just didn't mean that much to them. Mm -hmm. And I want to come back to that, but what were the success factors at Collins Financial that enabled you to, to monetize and liquidate your, your equity at a pretty good valuation? What, what do you attribute your success to of the first company? People, people first. Uh We were in a gunslinger environment. Okay. Not a lot of regulation. Federal Trade Commission was our chief policeman. Their teeth weren't all that sharp back then. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and so when you have big spreads and mm-hmm. not a lot of regulation, you're mm-hmm. going to attract a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. To 
give credibility to the company as it pertained to dealing with the creditors in the country, the banks, the finance company, and so forth. It's always about people. Always about people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can't be Walt Collins like Bernie Madoff and an accountant sitting on my lap. Right. right. And so that's the world I came from. So I built firewall after firewall after firewall of incredible people with great resumes that the banks would like to have. When you say people, you mean collectors or managers? or uh, Senior managers. Senior managers. And, and, and we were very uh, selective with collection people. But okay. I'm talking about people like Dr. Gary Wood. Right. You know, two terms yeah, now, Federal right, sure. Reserve Board, that sort of thing. Yep. And once I did that, we got the attention of the banks. Mm-hmm. We became a favored bidder. Mm-hmm. They were comfortable that we were going to do it right. Mm-hmm. Next came technology. Mm -hmm. Those are the two things, people and technology. I am not a tech guy, but I guessed right. You know, I can text you kind of and email you a little bit. But I, coming from the world I did, uh, I I recognize we're going to have hundreds of thousands or millions of two, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars accounts on the books. Mm -hmm. And if you could push a button, and know where Joe Smith is uh, in the grand scheme of things at any given moment. Right. You would uh, you would have an edge, and then and then even uh, more important, if you could develop technology that would quickly let you analyze a portfolio before you put capital into that thing, and had a good sense of what the returns might be, we had to go there. So so with technology, it's data then. Or yes. That's implicit. In yeah, yes. Okay. In fact, uh, you know, it, it may be arguable, but I, I, I don't know of anybody that came out, at least came out with uh, technology. We unveiled it at the first uh, DBA uh, meeting. It was quite the rage. Mm-hmm. Some of the bigs wanted to buy it. Uh, but this was your own system. It was <laughs> called oh, the Colin, Collins Debt Scrubber. Okay. And what I did was hire PhD, PhD candidates from the University of Texas because there was, it's a new industry. There's no, nothing on the shelf in the software mm-hmm. store. And so they came in and over a course of time, uh, we built mm-hmm. that, uh, that uh, software, mm-hmm. and then, of course, every day since in the last right. 20 plus years, right. you know, you add to it, add to it. You, mm-hmm. you know, what you're doing with that software is every time you're hoodwinked or make a mistake, mm-hmm. you program that out so it can't mm-hmm. happen to you again. Mm-hmm. And after after a while, you got a, you got a very valuable uh, uh, piece of technology. People and technology. People, technology, which includes data. Yes. And earlier, before our conversation. Today, you told me, I think, you were pretty diversified in terms of, I think, the creditor relationships or asset classes or diversity, or maybe it's the strategy that you put in place. Was that what you were implying? Uh, Yes, but I will tell you, those things develop with time. Your strategy comes uh, over the course of time. You start out with a strategy, and then you you change it as as you should uh, as things develop. Uh, But the strength of the company... People technology uh, was then the vast diversification of our portfolios. Mm-hmm. There was not, it is not a, uh, a consumer asset class that we haven't made very large purchases of, track all that data, track the recoveries. Mm-hmm. And so 
we were never glued to any particular asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we didn't like the price of credit cards, we could go to auto deficiencies or broken apartment leases or Bally's, uh, <laughs> Bally's Healthcare uh, or uh, Health Spa uh, contracts and on and on and on, all of the consumer assets you can think of. And so that was a monumental strength. Mm-hmm. We we could go where the best price was, and we knew what that was. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and so that served us us extremely well because you were diversified. Absolutely. So you weren't putting all your eggs in one basket. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So those were the factors of success of Collins Financial. You sold it to the private equity fund, and I know that there were some problems. So, and I think our listeners would be interested in this because. Most of sure, them are right. entrepreneurs. So, so what happened? Because mm-hmm. from '06, I think to was it '10 or '11, the company right. went into a decline. Yes. Could you comment on what changed? Sure. Um, an entirely. In, first, let me say, uh, the private equity firm, wonderful people, good people, mm-hmm. people that they brought in, good people. Mm-hmm. Their philosophies changed the makeup of the company Mm -hmm. and in my view and it became evident that they were giving up the strength the very strength that made the company uh i believe that they were trying to take it too quick to another level growing too fast too fast and and they they were focused on one particular aspect of the market that was dominated by all the bigs. What I mean, credit card or what? let's let's say fresh credit cards. Okay. And and my my comment in a in a board meeting was uh, we're giving up the strength of the company, going one dimensional, and that could be taking a QE two into a box canyon. Mm-hmm. And if you're wrong, you're never going to turn that thing because you've changed the entire culture of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I was I was right, and it did happen. And uh, good people, I know why they were doing what they were doing. Uh, they just, their strategy, they lost. Mm-hmm. They lost. That's a pretty radical change, and obviously, uh, yeah, you probably I didn't anticipate that when you sold to them. No, I really did not. There was a lot of things that <laughs> when you sell a company, and you know, uh, uh, a private equity firm buys you. Because they see a company with potential, but not being properly managed. Mm -hmm. Or they see one that has all the potential, is properly managed, Mm -hmm. and they want to take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. And that that was us. Mm -hmm. Um, But our industry requires a a certain mindset and background. Uh, a, A commercial banker doesn't necessarily make a great uh right. collection company right. uh CEO right. and uh and and so those were the mistakes in my view that that were made uh wonderful people uh, across the board i would never say anything uh, uh derogatory about them personally the business decisions just didn't work yeah well it's actually kind of shocking because you know in our middle market most middle market debt buyers have niches that they're good at uh, or they have special relationships that enable them to to buy debt outside the giant auctions with Encore and PRA. And that's probably, you know, you were diversified, so you weren't in all the big auctions by definition. And 
to go from that business model to one where you're focused on fresh credit card? I mean, that's where all the big players compete. I suggested that they would run the prices up on them to take them out. Yeah. And I, I was told that that wouldn't happen, and they had their own contacts yeah. and so forth, but it yeah. did. Yeah. It immediately happened. Mm-hmm. So p- pretty big lessons learned then from when you're selling your company. Uh, I guess you would say in retrospect, make sure that your strategy, um, you know what the strategy is of the new buyer, if you, especially if you're going to stay on the board, if you leave any equity, and I know you didn't. But. If you care about your people, yes. If mm-hmm. you're just a liquidity event for yourself, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. But but I do care about people. You care about the people and uh Interesting, Walt. So, so then I guess, yeah, I mean, fast forward to 2011. So you got back in once. Is there any particular magic in that date or? It was the date. It was six months after the private equity firm threw the keys on the table. Okay. All right. So your non-compete then didn't matter. I guess you had a, probably had a non-compete, but by then it didn't oh, matter. Yeah. You know, and, and it, all they wanted was to lick their wounds and go away. Okay. And so they're sat. Okay. They're sat really. And they had changed the name, which I had so many calls from law firms and, and folks in the industry saying, mm-hmm. Collins, what you got one of you got your, your name is, is uh, Scotch tape. What are they doing? <laughs> well, yeah. they, they, yeah. you know, they bought the company. They can mm-hmm. call it whatever they want. Mm-hmm. They did. So you recapitalized. Uh, well, you started a new company. You, you capitalized it with, was it your own equity then and Collins uh, Asset Group? And, and yeah, kind of an interesting uh, uh, startup. There was a, a, a major league company that was helped make that decision for me, and they were involved heavily. And, uh, and then they were uh, CFPB and Dodd-Frank got them too. So I was just coming back to ride in the wagon, right? come to the conference, be mm-hmm. here with you all. Mm-hmm. And that would be my role. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, I would ride in the wagon, but I am now pushing and pulling the damn thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you brought your son in too, isn't he part of the team? He's, he's president. Okay. Uh, he he, uh, inter- very interesting uh, man. I, I I so respect uh, him, uh, his ethics, uh, morality, and his intelligence. Uh, he was going to be a minister, and and be a uh, and and work in Africa as a missionary. Mm-hmm. Made it all the way. To, it was going to be Angola first. Mm-hmm. Made it all the way to Portugal. Stayed there several months, mm-hmm. learning the language, culture, because it's a Portuguese colony. Mm-hmm. Civil war breaks out uh, within two weeks from when he's supposed to go, and State Department puts a, a stop on it. So I said. Well, come on, I've started this company called Collins Asset Group. It's a new industry. Come on back. I, you know, I don't care if you pour coffee, you know, just come yeah. home until this straightens out. He stayed. He learned the business uh, completely. He did missionary work and, and ministry work uh, in, the, in the States and in our, in our town in particular. And he just learned the business inside and out, mm-hmm. went off on his own, raised his own capital. There wasn't an aspect of the industry that he wasn't didn't fully understand, and then uh, we came back together when we when we bought this company back. That's a great story. I mean, you start out as an African missionary and you yep. end up in debt buying, and now you're now you're a collector and a debt buy. <laughs> you're a collector and debt buy. <laughs> totally different, 
but I, you yeah. know, yeah. legitimately, he definitely uh-huh. treats people with dignity and respect and demands okay. that of collectors. I mean, it, and that's, well, that's a really powerful theme here as we connect the dots in yeah. this conversation, Walt, that uh, treating people with dignity and respect, you know, whether it's a collector or your manager, I guess your creditor, your investor. That, that was um, our motto from day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We also had incredible legal guidance uh, just by sheer luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manny Newberger uh, oh. was so instrumental yeah, in Manny. keeping us yeah. going in the right direction. I, and frankly, uh, I learned of this fellow Manny Newberger, and he was so respected he can walk both sides of the street. Yeah. He'll defend uh, the creditor. He'll defend right. uh, the debtor, uh, the consumer. And and so I wanted him on my side, and he happened to live in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. So I called and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and met with him. He spent a good 30 minutes telling me how foolish I was entering this industry, uh, this budding new industry, uh, with the regulations. And he went on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was sinking into my shoes. And he said, but, you know, Collins, if you listen to me, you know, I'm just telling you all about the risk. If you listen to me. You, and, and don't take some risk. You won't even open up a lemonade stand. Mm-hmm. That was my first go around with Manny. Okay. And then Manny trained our collectors. Okay. Manny, uh, all of our compliance. Uh, every there wasn't anything written that was put in an envelope that Manny didn't bless. And so we owe Manny an awful lot uh, for early right. success. That's another example of a relationship, a yeah. person that made a big difference. Sure. In your company. Sure. And. Uh, and going forward. Um, so, Walt, how did you get through some of these tough times? Because you, you had four or five years there in that period with the private equity fund that was kind of destroying a lot, maybe unintentionally, obviously, the value, though, in the in the baby, the Collins Financial that you built. How did you deal with all that that adversity? The- it, it, it was difficult. It, w- it was difficult. And then I... I, I pushed back and started. Do, I, I was con- doing, uh, helping others in the mm-hmm. industry, doing some consulting, and uh, and I, I just had to push back and not be as involved. And, mm-hmm. uh, and in fact, I they had me as chairman, you know, and then that mm-hmm. uh, got out of that. And, uh, they did as as the company was really uh, struggling. Uh, they asked me to come back as CEO, mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't do that. But I, I agreed to come back uh, as a consultant, mm-hmm. and I was really going to help them sell the company. And I had a couple of offers from some of the bigs, and uh, we, I just couldn't. Is that when Trish Baxter was the uh-huh. interim CEO? Uh-huh. And she was she had been your general counsel. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Trish is, is just wonderful. Yeah. She, she's so talented and such yeah. a wonderful person. And then I think recently, um, you know, you've also had some personal challenges and uh, with your wife uh, being a, uh, she's now a cancer survivor, but there was a time. A, a transplant survivor. Right. Transplant survivor. It's not, it wasn't cancer. Uh, she. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was. A, that she was has. The cause she, of it. No, uh, we, it'll be eight and a half years ago. Uh, she was diagnosed uh, uh, with epilepsy and it got pretty severe with with seizures mm-hmm. and uh, and so she was on some pretty harsh meds harsh to the liver mm-hmm. for a number of years she really started going down in 2013 14 was getting uh, mm-hmm. was really getting bad and uh the internists missed it 
they said it had to be hormonal because all of the organs look fine. Mm-hmm. Well, they missed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then we're trying to get hormone replacement, mm-hmm. which it makes you more seizure stroke prone. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't, nobody, I was going to fly her to Poland at one time. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, in January of 15, it hit. It was a, a deteriorated liver, and it was gone. I mean, it was stage four or five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had been missed, and now we know. And so throughout 2015, she had little to no hope. She had depleted so badly. She got down to 68, 69 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't operate. Finally got her on a list, but on hold. And uh, and we we... I was in touch with hospice. I mean, it, there was mm-hmm. just really no hope. And uh, a miracle occurred. A miracle occurred. If you want to hear that, I'll tell you real quick. Yeah, quickly. so the miracle was that you found, what, the, the right kind of we liver were, we for were the leaving, transplant? We were leaving the Texas Liver Institute, the uh-huh. Austin, Texas branch. And I talked to the doctors, and they said, yes, you really got to get with hospice. They're, you know, she's, mm-hmm. you're not going to keep her around much longer. And on the way home, and we had been going to the university uh, uh, of uh, the university hospital in San Antonio, the transplant center. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. We've been in and out of there for a year. And the phone rings in my vehicle, and we're almost home. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what I'm. You know, I'm, I'm kind of half out of my mind uh, because it's over for her. And the voice comes through asking for her. It's university hospital. I said, Well, she's here. She can hear you. We have a liver for you, and we need your acceptance, yes or no, right now. Mm-hmm. I almost fell out of the truck. <laughs> Her little bug eyes bug bigger. I yeah. said, say yes. Yeah. She said, yes, I accept. Can you be here within three hours? I said, absolutely. Yeah. So we raced to San Antonio. Uh, we had an incredible surgeon uh, that we had met along the way that was going to be her surgeon, Dr. Francisco Cigarroa. He's renowned. He was a chancellor at University of Texas. And so they... Once there, they looked head to toe, mm-hmm. and he turned to me and he said, Walt, I would never recommend it mm-hmm. if I didn't think it was possible. Mm-hmm. He said, we're going to lose her, and we're going to lose the liver. Mm-hmm. And she signed additional waivers, and off we went. Now, the the miracle, and, and it's, a, it's a sad story, somewhere in the many hundred-mile radius uh, in, that, in that region, and I'm not supposed to know this, but I do, a child had died. Mm-hmm. And... And from blood size type, all the people in front of her couldn't use that organ. And I guess the computer popped her up as the best candidate. And and it and so then, uh, you know, as they're wheeling her off, uh, the doctor said, "Don't don't be concerned if this goes beyond eight hours." Mm-hmm. And I'm alone. And now it's midnight. And I'm I'm alone in this elaborate uh, waiting room. And at 1.45, the the door opens, and here comes a surgeon. And I drop my head, and I said, she died, she died, she died. I look back up. He's got a big grin. He comes over, bear hugs me. I, I fight out of the bear hug. I said, what the hell's going on, doctor? He said, I'm done. The transplant. He said, oh, yeah. He, he said, oh, my team, it'll take another hour or so to close up. Mm-hmm. But it could not have gone more perfectly. And so in two hours and 45 minutes, she mm-hmm. had a miracle occur, yeah. and we just did our one-year checkup in November. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. calling her poster girl, and she's right. now out doing charitable things, right. trying to help people that are going through that. So, hope I didn't wow, what a moving story, Walt. Yeah. That's, hope I didn't. It's incredible, incredible miracle. So yeah. changed changed me. 
And so the lesson learned there is what perseverance, never giving up. Uh, yeah, you know, prayer or spiritual yeah, faith. Ab- yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh, you know, when I look at when I look back, I mean, talk about being blessed. I could be with her every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have to be at an office. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if I was there, but I I could operate out of out of hotel rooms, mm-hmm. uh, out of hospital rooms, and so we were very blessed that I could be right by her side the entire way, and uh, and never I never for a second thought that uh, you know that it was burdensome. I mean that that was what my role was and that what I was going to do, and, mm-hmm. and I was going to be with her no matter what through everything. Mm-hmm. And I studied. I wasn't a doctor, but I could talk to every doctor that came in, mm-hmm. and I knew what was going on, what they were putting in her, what the procedures were, mm-hmm. and so we were blessed for that. And you know, I I didn't think I could get any closer to my little wife ever. And after that year, uh, where it, it's it. We're even closer than I ever imagined we could be. Wow, that's outstanding. So your words of wisdom then to the listeners is, you know, keep praying, keep trying. Absolutely. Don't ever give up. Absolutely. You can be so close to victory, you just can't see it. It's right around the door. And uh, Does that apply to business as well as personal? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. In the outlook for Collins Asset Group now for seventeen and beyond, what's your your um, prediction? Another interesting question. We're so not the firm we once were, and we're doing some very out of the box things. Some with technology um, that pertains to the medical world mm-hmm. and insurance companies, and uh, we've gotten more heavily involved in the lending side. We have not purchased a traditional asset in over three years. Uh, very heavy in an arena that we absolutely had no background in, mm-hmm. uh, and that's in mortgage product. And uh, we're but you've got a background in mortgages. Yes, but my, mine's pretty dated. Okay, you know, mine's very dated. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, I was a mortgage-backed securities analyst and trader. Yeah, uh, but that was. Well over twenty years ago, you know, mm-hmm. so it's it's changed. Um, but we are doing some very interesting things, and you know, we no longer can say we know that we're going to have these returns. It's mm-hmm. it's new. It's mm-hmm. new. Mm-hmm. We do very very deep due diligence, and then we know we're not the smartest people mm-hmm. on the planet. So then we farm out. Uh, any new product to our attorney network nationwide and have them review and their laws. Mm-hmm. And once everybody's shaking their head, yes, then we go forward. Mm-hmm. But I could, if, if you were going to fund me uh, right. on one of these transactions, you would say, uh, give me three years history. And I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know We're mm-hmm. uh, God willing our the programs we're involved in will work. If they don't, I'll be the little old guy greeting you at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're just going to take it one step at a time in some of these new asset classes. Yeah, and, yes, and, and we're taking, you know, <laughs> we have a few paths we're, we're, we're going down, and so we have to be careful about not having too many projects. Uh, right, and, but are you still going to want to diversify like you did with Collins Financial at some point? Yeah, and, and we are, we are, uh, but doing it in, in, in completely different arenas. 
Mm-hmm. We so it won't be credit card or traditional asset class. We would we would love for that to come back, but right now we will not pay the price. Right. You know, we right. Do, we don't know how you can make money yeah. at these prices, mm-hmm. and so right. and we would love to see that come back. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, everything that we are doing is something that was never done in our industry. Mm-hmm. The technology that provides the law firms the information necessary to go to court and mm-hmm. sue insurance companies mm-hmm. on their under their prompt pay laws mm-hmm. of that state. Mm-hmm. An incredible technology that my guys have developed. Entirely different. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. even on the, mm-hmm. on the same planet as mm-hmm. that by. Things but, like that. But you're probably still going to leverage the success factors that made you pretty yes. successful with Collins Financial. Sure. Meeting, the people, the values of treating people oh, well, oh, yeah, absolutely. leveraging technology. Yeah, I mean, we're still contacting a lot of debtors. Uh, yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. And, and uh, somebody was at, oh, Roger Neustadt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger was RGC at one time, and I'm very close to Roger. And We were talking today uh, about that very thing. He was asking me, uh, are any of your old people with you? I said the whole company is my old people. Oh, oh really? Know, okay, I didn't. Re- yeah, all va- the, the vast, ma- the vast majority okay. Okay. Of, of seniors, all the way down to right. to collectors. And so it, well, that's a competitive advantage. Just because that expertise and that history, it is, and the culture that you created. Now you're bringing back. It is. Yeah. So. And that is who Collins is. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, "Well, my goodness, you're you're almost seventy three. What what will happen if you're if you're gone?" I right. say, "It'll run a heck of a lot better. I'll get out of their hair. <laughs> They're the professionals." But you've created a culture that will <laughs> right. live beyond you. Yeah. And now you've got your son there, so right. you. And Mike Crisan, my partner and operations officer, incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. Chick Natkins, general counsel. Uh, maybe only a half step behind Manny Neuberger and Fair Debt Collection Practices yep. Act laws. Yep. I mean, he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Well, Walt, this has been a really fascinating conversation this afternoon. Are there any summary kind of lessons you'd like to share with our listeners as we conclude? You know, we've touched on them. Uh, I'm a diversification guy, and I'm a stick with it. If you're going to go in a direction until you realize you made a, a serious mistake, give it some time, work at it, keep pressing, stay on track, and uh, not everything works, and mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta know when you finally hit a wall, but you don't want to give up too soon. Mm-hmm. And I see that quite a bit at times in, mm-hmm. in, in folks and business, and really, you know, that's it. Stay with it, and uh, God knows, say some prayers too, because mm-hmm. they can come true. Well, this has been great. So the lessons that I'm leaving with Walt are, again, treat your people fairly, treat them with dignity, leverage technology, diversify your uh, asset strategy. And then lastly, the perseverance, the perseverance both personally and that story with your wife is incredible. And then perseverance with your business, you know, kind of rebuilding the company that you started that was in deep, deep trouble. And you I'll stuck see- with it and you went back to your core principles and your core values and the people that made you great in this industry. And I will give you one more that I forgot, and it's incredibly important. Pay your people. Let them be a part of the company. Okay. Let them have options. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let Mm -hmm. them seriously be a partner with you. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how much that partners with with the stock options. And the only reason someone would leave me is because they want to be a pilot, right? Because 
they're going to be an operations officer right. or whatever right. for another firm. I, they're all part of it. And that's why it can be a Saturday I go in and somebody's there mm-hmm. catching up and they're not. Mm-hmm. It's their baby, too. And mm-hmm. If you can do that, you will keep great people. Mm-hmm. Well, on that final note, Walt, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, I'm so flattered. We, we look forward to hearing about this great success of Collins Asset Group in the future. Thank you so much for having me. We want to thank you for listening to this special episode of the Capital Club Radio Show with your host, Michael Flock, and his guests live from the 2017 DBA International Conference at the Aria Resort Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. Made possible in part by Flock Specialty Finance. More than a transaction. For more info, visit flockfinance.com. To listen to a rebroadcast and more episodes, visit capitalclubradio.com.